0: Welcome to the Christmas at Kenosha City Church podcast. Jesus used culturally relevant parables to explain biblical truths. Enjoy a message at the movies where you will learn about the hope that you can have from your Heavenly Father. This message will lead you through lessons from the movie Elf, a Christmas movie classic. Enjoy the message. Due to copyright restrictions, we cannot live stream this movie. To summarize. We open at an orphanage on Christmas Eve night where a nun is putting a little baby boy to bed. As she tucks him in, she tells him, maybe by next Christmas, you'll have a home. After she leaves, there's a noise coming from the chimney as a big bag falls to the chimney floor. The little baby boy turns to look in that direction to see Santa coming down the chimney. As the little boy watches, Santa makes his way to the Christmas tree and a plate of cookies. At that same time, the baby boy sees a teddy bear in Santa's bag. And while Santa is distracted, the baby boy sneaks out of his crib to make his way to the teddy bear. We then head right to the North Pole, where elves are celebrating a successful Christmas season. They're cheering, dancing, and singing. As Santa gives a speech to the elves, he hears a noise from his bag. Out comes the baby boy. Everyone is so shocked. One elf reads, Little Buddy Diapers, on the baby's diaper and decides that his name must be Buddy. An elf says that Buddy must have snuck into Santa's bag at the orphanage and asks what they should do. Santa decided to keep the baby, and so Buddy went into the care of an older elf who always wanted a child but never settled down because he was so busy making toys. When Buddy was fully grown, he started realizing that he was different from the other elves, Because of this, Papa Elf decided to tell Buddy that he's adopted. He then proceeded to tell Buddy of how his father fell in love when he was very young to a woman named Susan Wells, and how Buddy was born and put up for adoption by his mom, and how she later passed away. His father had never even known that he was born. Papa Elf then told Buddy where his father was. He was in a magical land called New York City and worked in the Empire State Building. Santa then talks to Buddy about leaving the North Pole and prepares him for the world of humans. Buddy is excited to see his dad and wants to go ice skating and eat sugar plums with him. Santa has to tell Buddy the bad news that his dad is on the naughty list. Buddy is absolutely devastated. We then see Buddy's dad, Walter Hobbs, at work. He's taking books away from a nun because she couldn't make payments. Santa then tells Buddy that some people lose sight of what's most important in life. Papa Elf then gives Buddy a snow globe of New York City right before Buddy leaves the North Pole. Papa Elf tells Buddy that he'll always be there for him
1: well this is this movie needs little introduction it is a movie that uh, it plays it's already played on a marathon uh it's it has anybody never seen the movie elf anybody anybody in there okay all right awesome you're gonna get a primer to it today all right well this was this movie was popular in part it came out in 2003 if you can remember that way back then and this movie was popular in part because it deals with the brokenness and of the world uh and the pursuit of belonging and being loved uh this is why I think it's had such, even though it's funny, uh, I think why it's had such enduring uh, replays, is that we, we really connect with this in the Christmas season. We connect with, with the brokenness of the world and it needing to be fixed, and we're dealing with our own brokenness. We're dealing with our own situations, maybe even in our family, uh, where things are quite not right. Buddy uh, realized that he was a little different than most of the other elves. Uh, he wasn't an elf, all right? He was a human being. Uh, Papa Elf, played by Bob Newhart, you gotta love Bob Newhart, uh, had to break the news. But he had no idea who he was. Uh, he had no idea who his, father's, who his father was. And it was a complicated origin story. Again. This is why I believe we connect with this on a more of a moral way, is that many of us have complicated stories. All of us have a complicated origin story somewhere along the family tree. If your family tree has been nicely pruned and looks very nice, somewhere down the line there is some cray-cray, all right? In fact, we did a a message uh, a couple years ago on the genealogy of Christ, and within that you can see there are some really messed up things even in Christ's genealogy. Uh, Since my mom's passing earlier this year, I've been going through a number of pictures that go back well to the 1880s, well in the 1880s. There are a lot of people I have no clue what their stories are about. People didn't keep good records if they didn't didn't write out their their, uh, day-to-day happenings. We have no clue other than a picture and saying, oh, that's interesting. Oh, he kind of looks like me, right? Don't really know a lot of the stories, but we are able to put together some of the stories. My mom's side came over from Germany. Uh, While my McGowan side, uh, they came over to America shortly after the revolution. They're originally from uh, Ireland, and they got captured, taken over to Scotland. Um, And um, then then they immigrated to the U.S. for religious liberty reason. It was thought that uh, I was the first pastor in the McGowan line. But as we went back, we found out a man by the name of Archibald McGowan uh, was the first pastor uh, in the early uh, 1800s. Uh, The the McGowan's had a lot of Quakers uh, uh, at the time, Uh, so apparently we go way back. Uh, to the early, the earliest times of the country. But uh, one of the coolest stories uh, in my history is that there was a man, we, we eventually immigrated to Iowa, uh, there was a, a man uh, in his 60s during the Civil War, he was so angry at what was happening uh, in the South that he walked to the South, fought for the Union, when the Union won, he walked back to Iowa and died, all right? How about that for an OG in the family tree, right? But there's so much in our backstory, things we love to talk about, but there's other things that maybe even we are feeling today. The brokenness that we're feeling today is because of maybe a generation, two generations, three generations ago, uh, bad decisions that became addictions, that became ways of life. You know, Christmas is this season that reminds us because we get together with family, it reminds us of this brokenness, but it's also an opportunity for us to remember that whatever's happened in our family tree's past, whatever we're experiencing now is not why you're on this planet. Uh, there's something greater than that, and his name is Jesus. And the thing I love about Jesus is he came into this weary world, and we talked about this last week, he came into this weary world, weary world, uh, not in a way of like a warrior, like here. Here I am with the sword. He came in the humblest of manners. He came in a manger. There was no room in the end. And he came to live, to die. His backstory brought controversy. We see this just before the birth of Jesus. The angel Gabriel proclaimed to Mary, who was engaged to Joseph, that she was pregnant. Mary, being a virgin, was rightfully confused. Luke chapter 1 verse 34. Mary asked the angel, how can this be since I have not had sexual relations with this man? And the angel replied to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. The Christmas story, even though we have fun, we put our trees up, we get our presents. Uh, Some of you go see uh, the jolly one in the mall or the Bass Pro Shop. Uh, Many of you have different traditions and things that you do and don't do, but I want you to to know is this if you're a follower of Christ the thing that you cannot minimize and skip at all it needs to be number one is the reason why we celebrate Christmas to begin with it is that the savior of the world has come into a weary and broken world to bring reconciliation to you but even though God has a plan our insides our flesh, our desires has a problem. God has a plan, but we have a problem. God has a plan for your life, but we often have a problem. And this problem is called sin. Sin is doing things our own way, contrary to the things of what God wants. Whenever we oppose God, or disobey God, or do things our own way, we become a de facto God to ourselves. I don't think many of us would be so pompous to call ourselves that, but that's de facto of what we are doing. We are making ourselves our own gods when we decide to do things our own way. And that sin separated us from Almighty God. God created us to have a relationship with him, a close relationship with him, but sin has created a very large chasm. We see this in Romans chapter 1, verse 20. For his invisible attributes that is, his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen uh, through the creation of the world, being understood through what he has made. As a result, people are without excuse. For though they knew God, they did not glorify him as God or show gratitude. Instead, their thinking became worthless. Their senseless hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools, and they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for the images resembling mortal man, birds, four-footed animals, and reptiles. Humanity is in a downward spiral and that is why we are facing the hardships of this life. That is why even in this movie that deals with the folklore of elves and all these different things, right? uh, It's the reason why the the, the story behind it, we resonate. We live in a broken world and we long for it to be put back together. According to Romans one twenty, not one of us is without excuse. We should be able to look up into the sky at night and see the stars and say, there must be something bigger than I. There must be something bigger than our collective there must be something bigger uh, than, than just something ha- happening by chance. there must be somebody behind this order and that's what God is saying. God is saying when you look at nature when you look at when you look up the stars in the sky, when you look at the, the complexities of life, you should say there must be something out there and yet we Just by looking up at the stars and coming to that conclusion, that doesn't save you. It just alerts to you that we're broken and we need to know who's behind the creation. Yet, instead of pursuing God, we've disobeyed God. Uh, The first human beings disobeyed God. Chaos ensued throughout the whole universe. And without a divine rescue, this world that we live in now is the closest you're going to get to heaven. Think about this, without a divine rescue, which Jesus provided and which we celebrate at Christmas and culminates at Easter, without a divine rescue, this life you're living now is the closest you'll have to what you think of as heaven. Some of you are like, I want my money back if that's that's what heaven is. You mean to tell me of all the joys that I have, oh yes, we don't talk about the unspeakable uh, low points in our life. The unspeakable, the the, the joys we love to put on social media, we we often hide the depression or the anxieties or or, or the the heartache uh, that we face in this life. And yet, when we put all our eggs in that basket, the world's basket, this is the closest we have to heaven. I don't want this to be heaven. Do you want this earth to be your heaven? Absolutely not. Yet, if we miss the meaning of Christmas, that is Jesus, If we live in this world as if this is all we have, this is the closest we're gonna get. I'm gonna tell you, don't sell yourself short. The Savior has come into the world to reconcile humanity to him so that you can experience heaven in full. He didn't have to do it. but Because of his great mercy, Jesus Christ stepped into this world to rescue you. John chapter one, verse 10. I read this last week. It bears worth reading again. He was in the world, and the world was created through him. This is Jesus. And yet the world did not recognize him. He came to his own. His own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of natural descent or the will of the flesh or the will of man, but of God. The word became flesh and dwelt among us we observed his glory, the glory as the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. We see that Jesus came as flesh among us. Theologians called this the incarnation. That word incarnation. Let's say that so you've learned a theological term today. Incarnation. Let's say it. Incarnation. Incarnation literally means in flesh. It speaks of the act where the eternal God took on himself the nature of humanity through the virgin birth. Because he was born of a virgin and conceived by the Holy Spirit, the sin nature of humanity was not passed on to him. Christ uh, was forever perfect, a a perfect deity, and through the virgin birth, he now possesses the true and sinless human nature. Jesus is 100% God, therefore, and 100% man. And God the Father was sending his one and only Son to live, to die, and stand in our place so he can close the gap that we may be forgiven and reconciled to almighty God. So that this world is not the closest you have to heaven. Jesus is a gift. He's a gift. In fact, that's our main idea this morning. Jesus is the father's gift to us. There are many gifts that you may want in this life. There are many things or realities that you wish that could be changed. But I want you to know, Jesus is the father's gift to us. God has given us a son to stand in our place, to be the savior of the world. but Let's talk about the father for a second. The father. When we think of Christmas, we often think of Jesus, as we should. But Jesus is the gift of the father. So let's talk about the father. This isn't rocket science, but we all have a father. We all have a father. Now that evokes some warm feelings maybe. Maybe that is almost a trigger, all right? We all have a father. When you think of a father, you most likely think of an earthly father. We all have uh, an earthly father, whether we know him, whether we're close to him, or whether he is uh, alienated, whether your father knows Jesus or he doesn't know Jesus. We all have or had an earthly father. Now, Jesus... He didn't biologically have a father. I mean, we had Joseph, who is the earthly father-like figure, but the Holy Spirit came over uh, Mary, which means that Jesus' father is the father in heaven. We all have an earthly father. But Jesus came miraculously without one. In the movie Elf, the central theme is finding that earthly father have a relationship with him. When we think of our earthly fathers again, a number of emotions can arise. Some of you may have had that warm relationship with him. Other, He was a good listener. He's solid rock and conviction. You are that person today because of, the, of how your father invested in you. For some of you, your father was loving. He was faithful. He was graceful. And if this is the case, thinking of God as your father is not a hard thing at all. Fathers should reflect the goodness, earthly fathers should reflect the goodness of the heavenly father. We see this in Hebrews chapter 12, verse nine. Furthermore, we had human fathers discipline us and we respected them. Shouldn't we submit even more to the father of of spirits and live? What the author of Hebrews is speaking of is, is that our father Earthly father is to be a good example of our heavenly father. Earthly fathers, it is our job, if you're a dad today, it is your job as a father to reflect the character of God the father. You will not be perfect. There's no such thing as a perfect dad. But fathers, dads, you're to be intentional. Lead the way spiritually. Too many men in this generation have thought that church, going to church prayer worship uh, anything spiritual is grandma's thing right they think it's it's oh it, it's the wife's thing if you want revival in america if you want revival in the western world it's going to take men realizing their role in leading their families in the lord now i'm not saying that women your role is not important it's very important when a man is not leading the way, they are, you're pulling double duty. The men, I want you to know your influence is so vitally key. Because being a good earthly father is to be a reflection of how good our heavenly father is. For many, though, it is hard to relate to the heavenly father because your earthly father was distant. He was harsh. He didn't know the Lord. He was cold. The words that came out of his mouth scarred you in your heart. For some of you, that's your father. For some of you, you had a father who was religious in public, but behind closed doors was the biggest hypocrite. What I want you to know is this, is that if your earthly father was a poor example of the Heavenly Father, that does not negate how good God the Father is to you. What I want you to know is this. Even if your earthly father did not live up to his calling as a father, nothing can take away the fact that you have, as a Christian, as a follower of Christ, you have bold access to a good, good, loving father. The Heavenly Father is our perfect father we can relate to. Now, in this next scene, we will see Buddy the elf seeking out and trying to make contact with his earthly father. And what's about to happen, I don't think was on anybody's bingo card.
0: To get to New York, Buddy has to walk through the seven levels of the candy cane forest, sail the sea of swirly twirly gumdrops, and walk through the Lincoln Tunnel. Buddy finds himself immersed in a completely different world. He finds the friendliness of people, the fun of shoe shining, the generosity of free handouts, the world's best cup of coffee, fun ways to cross the street, and the Empire State Building. Inside the Empire State Building, Buddy discovers an elevator. He's not really sure how to use it, but he does like to light up all the buttons because it looks like a Christmas tree. Buddy makes his way to the floor that his dad works on, and the secretary lets him through because she thinks that he's a Christmas gram. Some of Walter's employees gather around his office to hear the entertainment, but Buddy yells, Dad, when he sees Walter. Walter tells him to get on with it, thinking that there's just going to be some Christmas song that Buddy sings and move on with his life. Buddy's confused, but sings a song for his dad anyway. The song consists of an entire recount of how he was born from Susan Wells and that Walter didn't even know that he was born. Everyone is super confused and weirded out and Walter tells his secretary to call security. Security then takes Buddy outside and tells him to go back to Gimbel's, a large and popular toy store during the Christmas season.
1: Well, in Buddy's purity of heart, uh, he met the depravity of a fallen world and we can laugh at it, but I'll tell you what, in real life, what connects a heart with this And there are times where we try to connect with the people that we love, and there's no connection at all. It reminds us of the depravity of this world, the fallenness of this world, the brokenness of many of our relationships. We all have a father. Our earthly father, we may be at varying levels of relationship or relationship if he's passed on. But we all have a relationship or we all have an opportunity to have a relationship with our heavenly father. ...who is good and he's loving no matter what. But here's the thing I want to talk about right now. Is that in this life we all have a father... ...but we we'll all have conflict in relationships. Some of you may have a conflict with your earthly father. Some of you may be in conflict with your heavenly father. You know, Andy Williams, he sings this to us. He serenades this to us almost every day if you listen to Christmas music on the radio. It's, it's the most wonderful time of the year, Right? It's in your head right now. It's the most wonderful time of the year. I'm like, yes! And you're at your red light and people are honking and screaming at you, right? <laughs> but with all the family gatherings in the presence, there is going to be ample opportunity for conflict, all right? And so it, it just nod your head and you're like, oh, yeah, at one of our meetings... Somebody's gonna say something crazy. It's gonna come to the surface. It's all gonna be that elephant in the room, and eventually it's just gonna explode, right? That's some of our situations. Some of you are like, I don't have any of that. Blessings to you, all right? So, long familiar issues simmer to the top at Christmas. People disrespect uh, topics that should be brought up or, they, or your boundaries that, that, that you set. They disrespect those things. People will judge you about the stage of life that you're in. Or they want to know about the job maybe that you have. Or why haven't you climbed the corporate ladder? They're asking why you're dating this person or why your spouse is a bum or this or that or whatever. I've heard it all from congregants over the years of really hurtful things that are said. And in the moment, you're just like, yeah, whatever. They're just my crazy uncle. But the thing is that it gets lodged in the heart and it hurts, doesn't it? Hurts. Conflict is ripe during the most wonderful time of the year. For others, your conflict is not what something did to you. It's something situational happened in your life. Maybe it's this Christmas. You're thinking of that loved one that is not here. Uh, Maybe you're thinking of a, uh, maybe you you your parents went through a divorce and you have to go to two, three, four different Christmases, or maybe you experienced a divorce, or maybe this Christmas you were adopted and you're wondering, you know, where are my parents, or or maybe you 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 maybe you were fostered and, and you and you had a relationship with your parents and you're estranged. This season can be really really hard. It's an absolute blessing, but it reminds us of how. Hard things can be and hard things that have happened. Conflict, again, was present at the very first Christmas. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. The birth of Jesus came about this way. After his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, it was discovered before they came together that she was pregnant uh, from the Holy Spirit. So her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her secretly now as we mentioned last week an engagement just wasn't put a ring on it and we'll set a date on the calendar an engagement was a legal proceeding to get out of an engagement it was called a divorce they didn't while you're engaged you didn't live together you, there's no sexual activity there's none of that uh, but you can imagine when again Mary said hey the, yeah pregnant holy spirit well it uh, wasn't another man yeah, that wasn't going to fly with Joseph. It was not until God sent an angel to warn Joseph that indeed this is from the Lord. You can see that conflict, misunderstanding, confusion was part of the first Christmas. Where is your conflict this morning? Where is it? Let's let's get real with it. Where is your conflict? we have been kind of dancing around it. I want you to ask yourself, where's your conflict? What is that thing that... that is going to be the hardest thing that it's just don't ignore it what do you need to give the lord to this morning what what do you need to bring to the lord saying god i i can't deal with this in my own strength i'm going to get wore down and listen oftentimes you can think you're doing well man i'm just doing well i've had all these hard things but this person said this to me and you can go about it and you can grit your teeth but eventually that one little thing that's going to happen that non-consequential thing that's going to happen and you're going to blow and that person that's on the other receiving end of you blowing up and like what was that all about I didn't know you loved Jell-O so much. I'm sorry I messed up the jello, right? It's because you've been holding an M. What is your conflict? Talk to the Lord about it. Give it to the Father. The Bible says that when you have a relationship with Jesus, you have bold VIP access. 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, 366 if it's a leap year. Every single day of your life, every moment you have bold access to the Father to give these things to Him, to talk to Him, because He's a good, good, loving, merciful, graceful Father. Let's talk more about the Father. He exists, God, our, our God exists in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, three persons, yet one God. Didn't think that you'd be watching Elf when we were talking about the Trinity, did you? The word Trinity, by the way, is not found in the Bible. Some people use that as a a proof of, of, oh, the Trinity doesn't really exist. You may run into Christians and say, the Trinity doesn't exist. That was labeled heresy 1,800 years ago, all right? If someone says we don't believe in a triune God, it is not biblical Christianity, you know, sometimes they'll say, Well, the Trinity is not found in the Bible. Well, listen, that word was made to describe what we clearly see in Scripture. We see the three persons and yet one God in Scripture. We see the Trinity. Trinity, through the pages of Scripture, uh, when you read through the pages of Scripture, you see God progressively reveal the Trinity. Uh, We see often God speaking in the plural of of we. Uh, We see the the activity of the Father. We see the incarnation of the Son. We see the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. At the baptism of Jesus, we see the whole Trinity uh, in action. The Trinity is a mystery we will never fully understand, but it doesn't prevent us from studying it and understanding it and affirming it. This is what we clearly see in Scripture about our triune God. God is three persons. Each person is fully God. They're co-equal. Yet there is one God. It should blow our mind. God should blow our mind. Sometimes when God is, someone says, oh, it's just too confusing for me to understand. That is actually an encouragement. If we are worshiping an infinite God, we are not going to have everything figured out or be able to explain it this side of eternity that's why when we get to heaven it's going to be a wow moment because what we see veiled right now we're going to be able to see face to face the father is not the son the father is not the holy spirit they are distinct yet one they're always eternally coexisting together They don't morph together, right? They don't morph like you have the father the one moment, or and then the son. No, they are always co-eternal, co-equal. They were never created; they have always been. They have always, they have eternally always been, and they will always eternally never cease to be. They are forever outside of time, no beginning and no end. Think about that. You want to blow your mind and throw your mind into a control alt delete situation? Just think about God has no beginning, and he has no end. He has always been and always will be. That's how big our God is. God the Father in creation and redemption, he planned it all. And he sent the Son, Jesus, to execute the plan. In this way, Jesus humbled himself when he came to this world, humbled himself to be born in a manger, humbled himself to live as a human, yet fully divine, fully perfect. He humbled himself to die the most horrific death on the cross. God the Father didn't come to die on the cross. He sent his Son, Jesus, to do the work, The second person of the Trinity did that. And the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, brings the empowering work as we wait for Christ to come back. We have a heavenly Father who wants to relate to you and communion with you. And the Bible says that when you place your faith and trust in Christ alone, again, you have bold access to bring it all to him. We have a good, good Father. When you place your faith and trust in the Son who who executed the plan of the Father, you have access to The Father who loves you, who knows everything about you, who knows every mistake and sin you've ever committed. He knows who you are right now. He knows where you're going. And he wants to know you in a personal way. When we read in scripture, you can pray to Jesus. We see different aspects where you can pray to the Spirit. But I want you to know this right now. The majority we see is praying to the Father. We have a good, good Father who will not reject you when you approach him. Go to him go to him now we saw buddy seek out his dad and he was initially rejected his dad was confused and it's often the rejections in our life that we can grow cold or say you know what not right now God when I ask what is your conflict this Christmas that conflict could be the door you're shutting to going to God with your things Sometimes, when we have a disappointment or tragedy or we're angry at God about something, sometimes we feel like, okay, God, I have a better idea how I could have done it. I I don't like how you did it that way, God. Uh, And so, guess what? I'm going to do it. I I could do this better. No one would ever say that to God, but that's what we're saying. And what I want you to know is this there are times in our hearts we are upset with what something happened. We should not be praising evil things in this world, right? And it's okay to be confused. And bring that confusion and sorrow and even anger in our heart, but we give it to God and we submit it to Him because He's all-knowing and He's a comforter when we don't understand. When my kids, especially when they were young and something didn't happen the way they like, and they would just be bawling and crying, something happened in the embrace. It wasn't explaining it, it wasn't having them understand it further. It was them understanding that in the embrace they're secure. I want you to know that no matter what you're facing or conflict you're facing, you have security in the Father when you place your faith and trust in Jesus. We didn't see the security with Buddy. And again, this is the part of the movie that hits us hard. We long for acceptance. The good news is that when you seek God, he listens. Keep seeking him. Keep seeking him. When you feel rejected, don't give up. Keep seeking the Father. And that's exactly what we see Buddy the Elf do with his earthly father. Check this out.
0: Heading to Gimbal's, Buddy learns that the yellow cars don't stop and ends up getting hit by a taxi. He's okay though and tells the taxi he's really sorry. He continues on to Gimbal's where he discovers escalators. The store manager mistakes Buddy for an employee dressed as an elf and starts to tell him to go to work. The manager asks Buddy why he's smiling like that and Buddy tells him that smiling is his favorite. The manager responds by telling Buddy to make work his favorite. At this point, the manager gives an announcement at the store saying that Santa's coming to the store tomorrow, to which Buddy absolutely overjoyed and says he knows him. At the store, Buddy sees a woman decorating a Christmas tree. He goes over to her to tell her that she's very good at decorating and learns that her name is Jovi. She thinks that he's just messing with her, to which he responds, no, he's not. He's just glad to meet another human that shares his affinity for elf culture. Jovi tells Buddy that she's just trying to get through the holidays. Buddy tells her that Christmas is the best day and the best way to spread Christmas cheer is to sing loud for all to hear. She tells him to stop talking to her and that she doesn't sing. Buddy tells Jovi that it's not that different from talking. It's just louder and longer and you move your voice up and down. She tells Buddy that she can sing, but that she chooses not to sing, especially in front of other people. He then responds by saying that if she can sing alone, that she can definitely sing in front of other people. She disagrees by saying that there's a big difference. He tells her that there's not, and to wait and watch. Buddy then starts singing in front of the entire store. The manager then yells at him by saying, there's no singing in the North Pole. Buddy says, yes there is. The manager responds, no there's not. Buddy says, we sing all the time, especially when we're making toys. He then turns to Jovi and says, see? From there, Santa arrives as the kids are going crazy with excitement. So does Buddy. As Buddy gets closer, he realizes it's not the real Santa and says, who are you? Fake Santa says, what are you talking about? I'm Santa Claus. Buddy responds, no, you're not. Fake Santa tries to play it cool because there are kids around and says, of course I am. Ho, ho, ho. Buddy says, if you're Santa, what did I sing for you on your birthday? Fake Santa responds, happy birthday, of course. Knowing fake Santa won that one, Buddy tells the kid that's with Santa not to tell him what he wants for Christmas because he's a liar. Fake Santa is getting annoyed with Buddy and says, let the kid talk. Buddy responds, you disgust me. How can you live with yourself? Fake Santa is getting really mad at this point. Buddy says, you sit on a throne of lies and that he smells like beef and cheese. The real Santa doesn't smell like that. Fake Santa tries to get Buddy to cool it and leave him alone, but Buddy says he's a fake and pulls off Santa's fake beard. The kids start screaming. At that point, Fake Santa is so angry that he tackles Buddy to the ground, destroying Christmas decorations in the store. The manager had to get involved and ended up tackling Santa to the ground. We then see Walter Hobbs at his desk when he gets a phone call from the police. Buddy ended up going to jail because of what happened at the store and called Walter to get him out. Buddy said that they gave him one phone call and he knew who he was going to call, Walter Hobbs. He knew his dad would come get him. Walter had had enough with Buddy calling him dad and inserting himself into Walter's life that he pushes Buddy against a wall and demands that Buddy tell him who he is. Walter asks if he wants any money, and Buddy just says that he wanted to meet Walter and hoped that Walter wanted to meet him too. Walter takes Buddy to the doctor to get a DNA test done to find out if Buddy is actually his son. The doctor then tells Walter that Buddy is in fact his son. Walter is shocked by this news, especially because Buddy is so weird. The doctor tells Walter that Buddy is probably just referring to a state of childlike dependency and needs Walter and his wife to nurture him. Walter says, so you want me to rescue him? The doctor tells Walter to take Buddy home, introduce him to his family, and in time, he'll be normal and independent.
1: We can see that we all long for acceptance, don't we? We all long for acceptance. But here's the problem. Without a personal relationship with Christ, the Heavenly Father we're talking about, uh, the real Heavenly Father that all of us have access to, without reconciliation with the Lord, we stand separated and opposed to God because of our sin humanity is forever separated from our maker but the good news is the Lord through Jesus Christ has made it possible to be in right relationship with God God created us have created us to have a personal relationship with him but again sin that is doing uh, things opposite of God's ways has separated us from almighty God and what we try to do is this our souls they long for God, whether we know it or not. Did you know that? They, they long, we don't know this just by ourselves. We have to be told the gospel. We have to receive the good news. We have to place our faith and trust in the good news to receive what Christ has for us, and that's salvation. But without Christ, our soul longs for purpose. We've heard this in culture all over with people trying to be accepted, right? Acceptance is almost the God today. We, they just want to be accepted in whatever who they are. We hear people all the time, I have found myself. No, no we, we, it's not about finding ourselves. It's about finding our maker. That's what our soul is longing for. And so without Christ... Our souls will try to put in all sorts of things to numb that longing, whether it be vices, whether it be drugs, whether it be sex or possessions, or even even good things like family or even religion. You know what the biggest lying culture today is? Is that these things are what you live for. To be happy, to do what you want to do. Every Christmas should remind us that those are lies. You want to know why? Every Christmas morning, we open up presents, and they satisfy us for maybe a month, maybe six months, maybe 12 months, maybe a little bit longer. But if the things that we can put into our soul, our hearts, were really that satisfactory, we would never need another Christmas present again, would we? It wouldn't get old. It wouldn't break. It'd be what we live for but it doesn't. And we'll repeat the whole uh, mad dash to finding the perfect gift, which again, gifts are great, but they're not ultimately what we are made for. We are made for the Lord. And when we place our faith and trust in Christ alone, our souls finally realize our maker. And it reconciles you to God. If God seems distant this morning, my question is this. He can seem distant, and he's not. The Bible says draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you. But if Today, God seems distant because you've never personally placed your faith and trust in him. I want you to know the reason why he seems distant, because there's a great chasm that you need Christ to bridge for you to be reconciled. Because when you place your faith and trust in Christ, you're forgiven of your sins and your life begins anew. Romans chapter 8 verse 15 says this. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Instead, you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, abba father think of this verse for a second if there's a verse to memorize this is one verse to memorize when you place your faith and trust in christ you are adopted that means that jesus uh, not only forgives you but you have the full rights as a son and daughter of the father you see jesus is son by nature we are Jesus is the son of the father by his nature. All right? By the Trinity. But we are sons and daughters by adoption. When Jesus prayed to the father when he was on earth, that is our same heavenly father by adoption when you place your faith and trust in Jesus. Jesus died so that we can receive the rights to be sons and daughters. I remember I was at a court hearing once for a group of kids that were being adopted by a family. And what resonates in my mind is this. The judge says, do you realize what you're doing? Do you realize that what you are doing is irrevocable? And I immediately wanted to just stand up and praise and worship because I realized, God, when you adopt us, nothing can separate us from your hand. We are sons and daughters. We are favored. And when we are lost and broken, you want us to run to you for your embrace. And this is what we see. Not only are we adopted, we get to cry out, Abba, Abba, Father, this was a term that wasn't for some distant dad. This was a term that was used in the original uh, that showed the closeness of relationship. Abba isn't the word of a band, by the way. Abba means a very close connection to the Father. Jesus called his Father Abba, and now we can call the same Father Abba when you place your faith and trust in him alone. And when you come to Christ, you gain the access of the wisdom of the love and mercy and grace of the Father who will never let you go. The ark of any good story is a redemption arc. And when you place your faith and trust in Jesus, you receive the relationship your soul so desperately is looking for. And followers of Christ, if you've placed your faith and trust in Christ and, and Jesus is distant, go back to whom saved you. Don't go back to the things that won't satisfy. Go back. Rededicate your life to Christ. The arc of every good story is a redemption arc. Now, Buddy doesn't seem to fit anywhere, uh, but his father knows that Buddy is his child. He doesn't seem to fit in anywhere. He tries to live at home with his newfound family, but there's still conflict. And in this next scene, you'll see so much conflict that just before Christmas, Buddy runs away. And when Buddy runs away, he sees that Santa is in trouble. Check this out.
0: Buddy is by himself at Walter's house after making Walter really mad. He's writing a goodbye note saying, I'm sorry I've ruined your lives and crammed 11 cookies into the VCR. I don't belong here. I don't belong anywhere. Walter's younger son, Michael, then comes home to find Buddy's note. Michael goes to his dad's work to find him and let him know that Buddy ran away. Walter wants to wait to look for Buddy until after an important meeting is done, but Michael tells his dad that Buddy cares about everybody, but he only cares about himself. Walter then realizes his priorities are off and leaves to find Buddy with Michael. We then see Buddy on a bridge where he sees something in the sky. It's Santa in his sleigh falling out of the sky. He runs to find where Santa crashed. At the same time, Michael and Walter also see Santa fall out of the sky and go to find where he crashed too. Buddy finds Santa, and Santa is so glad to see Buddy. Santa tells Buddy that the engine on his sleigh failed and fell somewhere in New York. He needs Buddy's help to save Christmas. Buddy tells Santa that he's not an elf and he can't do anything right. Santa tells Buddy that he's more of an elf than anybody he has ever met, and that he's the only one that Santa would want to work on his sleigh to save Christmas. We then see Jovi eating dinner in her apartment, where she's watching the news. As she's watching, she sees that Buddy is on TV, where they framed him as a strange man wandering through Central Park. We then see Michael and Walter in Central Park and find Santa's engine. Buddy then arrives, and he's so happy that they found the engine. Michael is so happy to see Buddy and gives him a big hug. Buddy then tells Walter that he needs to tell him something, but Walter interrupts and tells Buddy that there's something that he needs to tell Buddy. He then apologizes for the mean words that he told Buddy and tells Buddy that he is his son and that he loves him. Buddy is so happy and gives his dad a huge hug. Walter then says, what is it that you wanted to tell me? Buddy has Michael and Walter follow him and shows them Santa's sleigh. Santa's so happy that Buddy found the engine and Buddy starts to fix it right away. Santa then asks Michael what he wants for Christmas. Michael tells Santa that he wants a skateboard. Santa pulls out his list and says, not just a skateboard. He then tells Michael the exact skateboard that he wants and then tells Michael to go look in his bag to reveal the skateboard that he would actually receive for Christmas. Just then, Santa's sleigh begins to hover because Michael had Christmas spirit. Just then, Michael turns to see horses in the distance. It was the Central Park Rangers coming after them. Buddy then tells Michael and Walter that he has a plan to save Christmas. Michael takes Santa's naughty and nice list and Walter borrows Santa's coat and hat. To build Christmas spirit, Michael makes his way to the news anchor where he tells everyone on TV that the real Santa is in New York. Jovi meets Michael in the crowd and asks if everything is okay. Michael explains that Buddy's in the park with Santa and the sleigh won't fly because there's no Christmas spirit. Jovi remembers what Buddy told her. The best way to spread Christmas cheer is to sing loud for all to hear. In the meantime, Buddy didn't get to finish fixing Santa's engine because the park rangers were closing in on them. They would have to rely on Christmas cheer to make the sleigh fly. Jovi stands up in the front of the crowd and starts singing a Christmas song to spread the Christmas cheer. The news started filming the Christmas caroling so everyone in New York could see Jovi singing the Christmas song. Slowly, people all across New York started to join in on singing with Jovi. A little girl joined, the people in Central Park, people in the mailroom, The Empire State Building security guards, Walter's employees, Gimbal employees, and more. This caused Santa's sleigh to gain power, but it wasn't at full 100% capacity yet. Michael notices that his dad isn't singing and makes him sing. This is what pushed Santa's sleigh to gain 100% power and start flying. And so, with a little help, Buddy managed to save Christmas. And as for Papa Elf, Buddy comes to visit from time to time with his wife, Jovi, and their new daughter, Susie. The end.
1: We understand that Christmas isn't about the commercialism or, the, or about the pomp and circumstance. And we often know, too, that in any Hollywood movie or any story that's told or any parable, when they say they lived happily ever after, we know that's never really true. In fact, we know that we're just one sequel away from even a bigger monster. I mean, if there was an elf too, I'd imagine that uh, one of elf's kids, one of Buddy's kids was an evil villain that was going to destroy Christmas or something, right? We all know that happily ever after isn't really true. But what is true is this. It's the reason why we have Christmas in the reality. A Savior has come to live, to die. And let's fast forward to that moment of death. When Jesus Christ came to die on the cross, he saw every single one of your sins, past, present, and future. All of them. When he was nailed, both hands and both feet to the cross, even though that was painful, even though that was excruciating, he took the wrath of God upon him that was meant for you and I. Of all of our sins in that one moment, And his words were this. He said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. But one I think is even just as powerful. It is finished. It is literally him saying, you want to live happily ever after? It's in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. It's in placing your faith and trust in him alone and not any other counterfeit. I don't know where you're at this morning, but this is a call to you that, the reality of Christmas is that you need Jesus. You need Jesus. When you have Jesus, nothing can separate you from Almighty God. Nothing, no situation, no hardship, no person. You have the Father. Ephesians and9 says this: "For it's by grace that you've been saved through faith, and this not of yourselves. It's a gift, not from works, so that no one can boast. For we are His workmanship." Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. To receive Jesus, you must place your faith and trust in him alone. It's not by works that you're saved. It's by his grace, his favor for you that you're saved. But you, to receive the salvation, must receive it. If you've never received Jesus Christ as your Savior, we're going to give you that opportunity right now. The reality is you were created to have a relationship with him. Without receiving Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross for you, you are forever alienated from him and this earth is as close as you have to heaven. But Jesus Christ came so that you can have him forever. That you can be born again right now, receive his Holy Spirit and live in his victory right now. So let's pray. And I'm gonna give an opportunity to anybody here to receive Jesus to do just that. So Father, we love you and we thank you for who you are. Father, I pray right now, that if there's anybody in this room that doesn't know you as Savior, they haven't personally placed their faith and trust in you alone, that they would do that right now. In fact, as we continue to pray, I want to talk to anybody in this room. If you are uncertain that you're going to heaven, if you're uncertain that you've made Jesus Christ your personal Lord and Savior, what I want you to know right now is you can make certain of that right now. It doesn't matter what's in your past. doesn't matter even what's in your present. It's what are you going to do right now with it? Are you going to receive Jesus Jesus Christ, born to live, to die, died on the cross for you. He saw you on the cross, and he forgave every single one of your sins. Or that when you place your faith and trust in him alone, you will be saved. With every heads bowed and eyes closed, if there's uh, anybody uh, here uh, that has not uh, received Jesus, that want to receive Jesus right now, we just make an indication right now. No one looking around, just slip up your hands saying, that's me. I want to place my faith and trust in him alone. I want to give my life to Christ. If that's you, just slip up your hand. Awesome. Is anybody else? Just slip up your hand and say, that's me. That's me. Awesome. I see you as well. We just pray with me? If right now you want to place your faith and trust in Christ, pray with me. This prayer doesn't save you. You're just talking to God and letting him know that you want him to step into your life and that you want to receive him as Savior. Lord Jesus, I realize I've done wrong. Lord Jesus, I need you to save me. Thank you for coming to this earth Thank you for living to die for me. Thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you for saving me from my sins. Thank you that you rose from the dead. Help me now live for you. In Jesus' name.
0: Thanks again for listening to this week's episode. If you would like to know more about Kenosha City Church, then check us out online at kenosha.church or on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Kenosha City Church. Lastly, if you enjoyed this episode, we encourage you to follow us so that you never have to miss an episode. At Kenosha City Church, we are not perfect people, but real people being made new through Jesus.